Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Mission Matters Money Podcast, your source for all things money. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, missionmatters.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Paul Burkett on the line, and he's founder over at Automation Finance. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Pleasure to meet the one-man media empire that uh, Adam Torres has become. Oh, my gosh, Paul. We work so hard, but I'm excited to get into your story, leaving corporate life and growing a startup to $200 million in assets with no industry background. Are you kidding me right now? So and when, I, when I saw your show notes, I'm like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? So let's just uh, – we know nobody starts there, so let's just start with a little bit of your background. So how did you get started in your career and in business? Well, I grew up in Ireland, um, was educated there. Um, my first job ever in the U.S. was actually selling encyclopedias door to door when I was a freshman at college. So I started at the bottom in one of the toughest kind of industries that you could ever imagine. And really the objective was to make enough money to, to pay my school fees because back when I was at college, school fees were a lot cheaper than they are now. And so after graduation, I went into a marketing career. I did four years at Procter & Gamble, and then 18 years with PepsiCo in just about every market that they, they operate in. And then came to the U.S. in 2010, moved over here, and that was just after the Great Depression. So business was pretty bad. And I noticed that single-family homes uh, were selling in, in the, really, the places that were really crushed by the recession, places like mm-hmm. Florida and Phoenix, were selling for compared to what prices were back in Europe really very, very big discounts. So you could buy a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house for sixty or $70,000, and that house would rent for twelve or $1,300. And that was just an enormous uh, uh, margin, and I was really attracted by it. So I would spend my Monday to Friday working at PepsiCo, and then every Friday night I would fly to either Phoenix or Florida, um, the two Fs, Paha, and mm-hmm. go looking at houses and ended up buying about 30 houses, renovating them lightly, maybe a few thousand dollars, and renting them out. And the idea was I could work as a, a corporate kind of guy during the week, and at the weekend I was a real estate mogul, um, and it would be a passive business. And so after a few years, I'd have lots of houses rented out, and I would not need to work at all. And uh, I, obviously it couldn't have been further from the truth because as anyone who knows um, the residential rental market, there's nothing passive about it. So I ended Mm. up spending the weekends dealing with property managers and dealing with evictions and repairing toilets and, you know, all all the stuff that goes with having rental homes. And so that led my, my business, which was a complete, complete fluke. I was buying a short sale from a bank. I won't name the bank, but, Mm -hmm. um, they, a short sale is where they sell the house for less than the, the mortgage that's owed on the house and the bank takes a loss. And the bank called me one day and said, hey, we can't sell you um, that mortgage. We can't sell you that house. We've sold the loan to someone else. I thought, oh, okay, well, who did you sell it to? Um, is, it, is it another bank? And they said, no, we sold it to, to this guy. And I thought, well, that was very odd. A guy can't buy a mortgage. Only banks can own mortgages. And they said, no, no, you're just a guy. And to cut a long story short, they eventually put me in touch with the guy and I um, found out what it was that he was doing. And it completely blew my mind because it was beyond my comprehension that you could set up 
a company here in the U.S., get just a couple of licenses, which are really easy to get, and you could be a, a mortgage, you could buy mortgages and hold and modify mortgages. And so I thought, wow, it's much easier to own a mortgage than it is to own a house, because when you own the mortgage, you just own the paper. When you own the house, you've got to fix the roof and all that stuff. And so I started researching that. And uh, five years later, I left corporate life. I left corporate life after about a year because it scaled pretty quickly. And now I've got 36 people and about $200 million of uh, assets under management. So Wow. What an absolutely amazing story. I love it because I I, I always, I mean, I've done, I think I'm going on over 2,000 interviews now. And sometimes some of the most successful people um, I meet and that they do, it's always an accident. Like I'm not like, it's it's always an accident. Like it seems like there's something or they're trying to, like solve a problem for somebody else and right. and and then they stumble on something so when you're in this case it was both you were solving a problem for yourself you didn't want to deal with toilets which is okay like some right. people are okay with real estate and like doing that part of it some people they just want to do a, a little bit different so you wanted to be in real estate you wanted a passive type of income um which obviously is not passive now it's your business but yeah. um a type of passive income where to provide that opportunity for others and uh to be in real estate and then you were also and then it was an accident too that's my favorite type of story so Paul um let's go a little I want to go a little bit deeper into automation finance and what you're doing there so tell um, obviously you've raised quite a bit of assets you're doing um let's let's get a little bit more into the product side of things tell us more well I mean only in America is the way I would start so a guy comes out my most recent experience was a VPGM job at PepsiCo where essentially I was selling chips and soda um, and I'd done that for a long time and I'd run large teams of people but I had no finance experience and I remember well sitting down with YouTube looking at looking up how to use Excel because I now have to become a financial analyst and as my math teacher <laughs> my math teacher is unlikely to be listening but they certainly wouldn't have thought I was ever going to be a financial analyst at any time in my uh, in my future but um, I had to learn from from the ground up and so we started buying loans and when I say only in America I bought the first maybe $100,000 worth of loans and they worked out really well, made a really big profit um, uh, and then bought another pool and, and another pool and another pool. And within a year, I'd gone to a hedge fund and was able to convince them to give me $20 million to go and buy a lot of loans. So I was actually able to go and buy almost a 1,000 loans with, with $20 million. Now, that was recklessly irresponsible in hindsight because it's one thing buying them, it's another thing trying to run them, but I didn't know that then. And Five years later, it, that, that's a, a modest trade for us, but at the time, that was a really, really big mm-hmm. transaction. And so I had to build a team really rapidly and, and all of that. And the thing that I saw was there were lots of guys like me in jobs that were pretty um, you know, stressful, full-time jobs. And I have a, a 401k, and I remember looking at my statement and seeing, wow, 3% this year, what a fantastic return. Um, mm-hmm. And hearing about private equity and other sources of capital and applications of capital that were producing returns, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I was thinking, how could I get some of those? And mm-hmm. so automation finance basically married those two things. We buy pools of loans, pools maybe. We're working on a a purchase right now, $166 million worth of loans. And these loans are mortgages where the borrower has stopped paying, typically Mm -hmm. because they've lost their job or some life event has occurred and they just fall behind. 
and their banks won't work with them or can't work with them, can't forgive mm-hmm. payments. We buy the pool of loans, we get in contact with the borrower, we find out why they stopped paying, and we then modify their loan. So typically that means we just forgive all the payments they missed and they just start paying again. That's 90% of the time what we end up doing. And to source that, we source it from two kind of sources. One is all the hedge funds that everyone would have heard of. We essentially borrow from them or they invest in the deals. And most laterally, we've launched the second ever crowdfund for mortgage. So that means that ordinary investors, just you and me, can invest as little as $250, and we pay up to 8% return on that money. No work, nothing to do. Just send in the money, and we send the return we make the payments every month. So we get a lot of retirement folks investing through the IRA and they're just putting the money and we send them a check every month for 8% or one twelfth of 8% each month. So 8% over the year for the money that they invested. And that business is growing really fast. So that's kind of the main thing we're doing right now. Wow, that is absolutely amazing, and uh, I think that might be the the, um, the uh, show title notes. Uh, Only in America, I think that's a good way to, to title this one. Uh, right. That's amazing. I love what um, I mean. I love the story. And so, uh, in terms of products, so because yeah. you're using the crowd to go a little bit further in, into that. So in the past, you would have had to have been. Um, before regulation change, you would have had to be an accredited investor. So you'd have had to be pretty wealthy to get in on a deal like this as right. through a private placement or something else. But Correct. now that you're doing, um, you're kind of going through the crowdfunding method, just go a little bit further down the line of explaining that because I don't want to assume that everybody out there understands kind of that shift that took place. Okay. So um, under the Obama administration in 2014, they changed the rules. And it was a pretty big change, which was, just like you summarized a moment ago, if you wanted to raise funds for, um, let's say you wanted to build a hotel or you wanted to buy a pool of $100 million worth of mortgages, well, where are you going to get $100 million from? Well, you went to a big fund like, let's say, BlackRock or Goldman Sachs or one of those financiers, and they put together um, a prospectus for you, which is basically a 50- or 60-page document that says, here are all the risks, here's what the plan is, would you like to subscribe? And any rich person, rich by definition, is a million dollars in assets or $300,000 a year of income, I think that's the rule, rule, Mm -hmm. would be allowed to invest in in that program. And for 90% or more of the people in the U.S., that means they can't invest. So they changed the rules and they said, okay, to the SEC, we want to bring uh, investments to a more wide um, base of people, you will qualify these investments. So we spent two years working with the SEC to get our fund qualified. So they go through all your your accounts and they go through your audit and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they then say, okay, you are qualified as far as we're concerned. You may now go out and go on Adam Torres' podcast or put an ad on the internet or do whatever you deem fit and you can raise money directly from members of the public, whether they're accredited investors or not accredited investors. So that's why we can accept as little as $250. Most people put in a lot more than $250. But the idea is simply that even with someone with $250 to invest, they can put it in and get the same 8% that a Goldman Sachs or a JP Morgan would get. 
Man, that's absolutely amazing. You're really democratizing that space and allowing somebody to earn a good percentage on um, really leveraging all the work you're doing and what you've built right. through the years. So that, that's amazing, um, and that's definitely a generous uh, return that you're that you're giving. So um, no, I, I love it. Um, so so that being said, Paul, um, I can I can obviously talk to you about this all day long. I mean, uh, your story is amazing. What you're doing is amazing. Um, that being said, though, we're about out of time. So before I let you go, um, if somebody does want to learn more about automation, find What's the best way for them to reach out or to follow up and learn? Uh, the best thing to do is just go to the website, automationfinance.com, um, and we have webinars and there's white papers and articles and all sorts of stuff there, and you can even get my email. I would like chatting to our investors. Fantastic. Well, hey, Paul, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks for coming on and sharing your um, sharing your story and all the great work that you're doing for your investors. Um, and to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. Hope you had a lot of fun listening because we had fun bringing this to you. If you did, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave us a review. If you are uh, watching this on our YouTube channel, Mission Matters Money, give us a, a subscribe there. But also, um, leave us some comments in the video section. I mean, don't let the conversation and here. I'd love to continue the dialogue over in our YouTube community. And uh, Paul, thanks again for coming on the show.